some friends of ours, Richie and Jess Clark, they have a band and they travel all over America. Um, they're really good friends with Lou Engle and they open, they play at a lot of the calls. Um, anyway, they're, they're pretty popular among the IHOP people. Um, I met them about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, um, and uh, they were playing at a conference, and they had just, a week before, she had lost her, had a miscarriage with her twin babies, and the babies were about six months old, and they couldn't save them. So they had had the funeral and buried the babies, and it was a week later, and they were up leading worship. And I remember that worship service unlike any other. I mean, she was literally crying out to the Lord and crying out to the Lord. And it was so incredibly moving. Um, And then I found out, I started following them, um, and I found out that she was pregnant again. And then she had their son, who they named after Richie. They called him R2. And um, he had some developmental issues, um, and as he began to grow, they found that it was more severe than they had known. And it was, uh, they didn't actually find out. He, he stopped talking when he was five. And they didn't know why. But they found out recently, as he began to deteriorate in his physical body, he was nine years old, and he really began to deteriorate his physical body. He was stopped eating. He couldn't sit up anymore. He couldn't walk anymore. So they took him to a specialist, and they said, your son has a, uh, a degenerative brain disease, and his, his brain is, is basically killing his body. And um, so they said, you know, your son is not going to survive this. There's no treatment for it. And so they began to cry out for prayer. And so they had these other two kids they had adopted. They've got the, uh, three other children one that's their own, and two others that they adopted, and then they've got this precious little boy. And it just struck me, because I remember being there when she had lost her twins, and I just thought, oh, God. Anything we can do. And so they took him, they flew him to Bethel, couldn't walk, carrying him the whole way, couldn't sit up, couldn't eat, And they took him to Bethel, and they stayed there for two weeks just praying, having people pray over him for healing. And while they were gone, to their surprise, um, the whole IHOP family came around them, and they completely did a home makeover. They bought them, um, they repainted their house. They furnished their house. They redid everything. They redid the bathrooms. They redid the kitchen. And so they sent out notices to everybody who's uh, familiar with them, and they said, will you help us? And so... I want you to know that as a Haas family, you bought them a dryer, a brand new dryer. And um, so they got shipped to them, and we were just really excited and privileged to be able to do that for them while they were away. So they came home to a brand new house, um, it, and they were just shocked. They couldn't believe what they saw, but they still had their little boy who was deteriorating very fast. And and this was all done in January, and in February... Um, the, the nurses said, you really need to begin to plan for his funeral because he had stopped eating altogether and he was just, he was not awake at all. And um, so it, it looked very grim. And so just the reports of that was just heartbreaking that we were going to lose this little boy. So about a week ago, they sent a message out and they said that over the past couple of weeks, 
um, she would go into his bedroom at night and, and didn't know whether he would be alive in the morning. And they just had let him go to the Lord. And they said, okay, God, if you want to take him, we give our son to you. But we'd really like to keep him. And um, one morning he woke up and he sat up and he was hungry. And he started on his own to begin to eat. And over the last two weeks, he is not only sitting up and eating, but he has begun to talk. He has begun to get his strength back. I mean, it is a miracle from the grave to life. And we're just like, I read that and, and I've been praying for him because, you know, we've got boys, you know, we've got Samuel and he's that age. And, and I mean, it was just heartbreaking and uh, God answered our prayers. So hallelujah. Am I on? Hello. Am I on? It worked. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, let me pray again, and we'll get going. How's that sound? Good? Amen. All right. Thank you. All right. Bring it. Audience participation. Um, I, t- tonight, I'm going to be talking about um, the part two series of the new sound, God's reawakening the voice of his bride. And um, I wish Vince were here because he loves it when I say the word season. So I'm going to say it just so if he sees this, he'll say, oh, you did it for me. Anyway, so this is really the season that we are in, the awakening of God's voice in his people. You know, um, we're all kind of waiting for revival, right? We all know the promises over Dallas, Texas, right? Right? I mean, you're all doing it. You were all actually doing what I'm going to be talking about during worship. Everybody gets to participate. That's the good news. Nobody gets left out of birthing this revival. Isn't that exciting? I mean, come on. That'll get you up out of bed in the morning. See, revival doesn't fall down on us like fairy dust. You carry revival in your belly. And all creation is waiting to hear the sound of the sons of God coming into their authority and releasing this in the earth. So, Father, I ask that you would come and you would awaken us, that you would release a spirit of revelation and wisdom on your people, that we would understand, that we would not only see and we would hear, our eyes would be opened to the spirit, our ears would hear your voice, and we would understand fully what it is that you've told us to do, who it is that you said that we are, and who you tell us that you are. In Jesus' name. So all of us are human beings, and we are created with a a purpose and a destiny, right? That's the really good news. Every single one of us. God not only created you, he uniquely shaped you, gave you a unique personality, And he he gave you a destiny and a purpose, and he did it before time began. 2 Timothy 1.9, I saved you, and I called you with a holy calling. 
before time began, he gave you all of the grace that you need in order to fulfill the things that he's called you to do. Do you know that you were in heaven with him before time began? That's where he said, I'm going to give you a hope and a future. Turn in your Bibles to Job 38, 1 through 5. Now, y'all know the story of Job. Love that book. Do you know that Job means repentance? That one's free. Job means repentance. And it's very interesting how Job goes through the situation of his life where all of these bad things happen to him, right? And the enemy goes, Satan goes to God and he says, hey, what about your servant Job? Of course he's righteous. Look at everything he's got. He's got everything going for him. Of course he, he chooses you. But what if everything gets taken from him? What will he do then? And so the Lord gives Satan permission to test him. And so he goes and he says, hey, but he says, hey, but you can't kill him. And you can't touch his physical body. So he goes and he takes everything from him. He takes his children, his wealth, everything gets taken from him. And Job's response is what? Worship. He falls to the ground. And he worships God. And God's like, that's my boy. Did you see that? So Satan comes back and he says, okay, that was good. But what if I test him again? Let me do it again. And God said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll let you do it again. But this time, you can't kill him, but I'm going to let you touch his body. And so he smites him with boils and leprosy, right? And Job's response this time is not quite as grand because enter in Job's friends, right? They all kind of know, right? Have you ever had those friends? Your life's falling apart and they're all like, oh, you're in sin. Oh, you must have done something wrong, you know? (laughs) Judgment, 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 judgment. You're like, okay. I'm not calling you back when you call me. (laughs) So um, in in chapter, around chapter 37, one of the younger prophetic voices breaks into Job's life. And he, when he breaks in, it actually allows the entry point for God to begin to break in, to talk to Job. And we're going to pick that up in chapter 38, verse 2. Who is this who darkens counsel by the words without knowledge? And he's talking to Job. God is right there in his face. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And then he asks this question, which is really interesting. He says this, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And see, everybody interprets this as though he's saying to Job, you weren't there with me. But then if you read on, he says this, who determined its measurements, surely you know. So he's saying to him, you were there with me before time began and before the earth was created. You were in Christ 
And you and you saw the whole thing go down. You saw me in my magnificence. Hello. So, if Job was there, guess where you were? You were there. And he says this. Verse 6. To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? That's you. You were there. The sons of God were shouting for joy as he was creating the earth. Yep. Revelation 20, verse 12. Turn there. Now you've heard me talk about this. And it says, and I saw the dead, the small, the great, standing before God, and the books were opened. This is at the end of the age when we stand before the great white throne of judgment. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. You see, everything, every word, thank you, every word, that has been spoken over your life is in these books. He is the author and the what? Finisher of your faith. So he began the work. The book has been written. He has purposed you. He has a destiny for you. He is going to give you a hope and a future. And so he said, listen, the blueprint has already been established. The words have already been written. Now all you have to do is go in and get them. And once you apprehend these words, then everything in your life begins to be made manifest. The dreams, the destinies, the things that you've been carrying within you all begin to unfold before you because you begin to agree with the things that he said about you before time began. I'm not repeating that. I was thinking, I could say that again. No, I couldn't. (laughs) My English teacher would tell me that was the the longest run-on sentence she's ever heard. (laughs) See, his words are faithful and true. And his words over your life are actually hanging right in front of you. They're hanging there. Did you know that? Words? Where do words go when you speak them? Do you know where they go? They go out into the environment. And guess what they do? They stay there. You are going to produce life or death with your words. And so your words, with your words, you co-create with God. He said, who does the earth belong to for those of you who were here the first time? Who Who gets to rule the earth? No, we do. He said, the earth belongs to the sons of God. Well, that's a pretty good deal. 
So if the earth is yours and he's given you the words, then all you have to do is find the words and then give, begin to agree with these words and then everything's going to start happening. Those words are going to actually begin to create that destiny and that calling, right? Are we all, are we all in agreement about that? All right. In part one of the new sound, we talked about governing and co-creating with God through our words. They're not just words, but they're prophetic. And again, they stay in the earth to create life and death. You see, God sent the prophets who prophesied about Christ. So thousands of years before Christ came, he sent the word through his prophets. Now, when Christ came, what did he do? He fulfilled all of the words that were spoken of him, right? It's a mathematical impossibility if you know anything about statistics. He fulfilled every single word that was spoken of him. And most of the promises or most of the prophecies were fulfilled by other people. Casting lots for his clothes or what was left of them. You see, what happened is that all of those words were still hanging there and waiting to be activated. So what did Jesus do when he began his ministry? He said, the first thing he said was what John the Baptist said. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, change your mind and change your thinking because you cannot enter the kingdom as long as this is fully activated. And then he did what in Matthew? Let's see, Matthew, I don't, no, Luke 4.18. I love Luke 4.18. So what did he do? He goes into the synagogue. So he says, you don't have to turn there. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Walks into the synagogue and he reads Luke 4.18 out of Isaiah 61. Right? Let's read it. All right, let's read it. If you were in my class, you would be reading this because it, I'm turning, I'm turning, I'm turning. Um, Luke 4.18 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So then he closes it and he says what? This day, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, I have now fulfilled this. So what did he do? He just activated all of the words that had been spoken about him because he came into agreement with what God had said about his purpose and his destiny. From that point forward, he was what God said he was. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he had to, according to the principles of the kingdom, he had to come into agreement with what God had said about him. Since he was the firstborn of many brethren, we get to do that too. Our lives are laid on a foundation of words from heaven. What did, was the foundation laid in? 
Come on. What was the foundation laid in? Foundation of the apostles and the prophets, right? Well, what did the apostles and the prophets do? You have first the apostles, then the prophets, then the teachers, right? And then you have miracles, blah, 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 administrations, everything else. Okay? The apostles and the prophets were the ones who went to heaven to get what heaven was saying and bring it to the earth. It's, it, it, they're the heavenly offices. And so he's saying, this is what your house, he's not talking about your ministry. He's talking about you personally. Your foundation is laid in the apostolic and the prophetic. And who is the chief cornerstone? Jesus. So he is this stone. And so what are you doing? Your foundation, you're actually standing in words. That's what your foundation has been laid in. If your foundation is laid in works, if your foundation is laid in acts of service, it it will not have eternity on it and you cannot take it with you to the other side because the book has already been written about you and at the end of the age, the book is going to be opened and the words are right there. If the words of your life do not line up with the word of the book, He's going to look at you and he's going to go, you know, you left all this in the earth. So this can't come in with you. So your works are dead to me. See, this is how it works. The word is basically like a train. And the word is the engine. Your thinking and the words that have been written about you in heaven are the engine. And then the caboose are the actions. But your words have to go first so that your actions, it, it prepares the way and it actually causes all of the matter and everything in the universe to come together to actually create the things that you've been called to walk into. See, we're all waiting for revival. We're all waiting for God to come and sprinkle fairy dust on us so that our lives will be good. But he's saying, but you have Christ in you, the spirit of the living God that raised Christ from the dead. Now get with the program and begin to declare to everything, the universe, to the the principalities, to this is who I am and this is what God says about me and this is what I'm called to do. Okay? I hope that this is very practical for you. All right. This is, you're going to love this. I love this so much. Matthew 21, 42. Now I'm going to read the King James. Jesus saith unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in your eyes. Okay, so I looked up this word corner, all right? So much fun. And this is what it means. The Greek meaning is externally, it's an angle, but internally, it's a secret place. The cornerstone, guys, on the outside, it's an angle. On the inside, it's a secret place. How cool is that? The foundation is laid in the words from heaven. 
the apostolic and the prophetic and the cornerstone is the secret place of where you go in to get it. Come on, it's like a roadmap, right? Now, here's something even better. You're going to get so jazzed about this. So I'm looking up. Okay, so the Greek word is gonia. Marvin, gonia. And so I looked that up. G-O-N-I-A. I looked it up, right? I Googled it. And I'm like, that's a cool word. Guess what that word means in English? It's the corner of the jaw that opens and closes your mouth. Right? How cool is that? Go Nia! Go Nia! Come on, everybody say it. It sounds good. Go Nia! Doesn't that feel good? All right, so whatever your purpose is, you you know, some of you may be called to bring in a great harvest. Some of you have been called as a master builder to build a ministry. Some of you are called to missions. Some of you have been called into the marketplace. Doctors, lawyers, Indian chief, doesn't matter. You still got a word in you, right? Do you remember that when you were younger in the buttons? Okay, maybe that was just me with the buttons. Anyway. So no matter what it is that God has birthed in you, those words are in you. They're in you. And the thing is, is that if you don't get those words out of you, then those words actually become stagnant. You're called to be a living well. Living water is supposed to flow from you. But If those words are not coming out that belong to God and all of the lies of the enemy are coming out of your mouth, which are opposite of the words that God spoke about you before time began, then what happens? That word stagnant means having no current flow and often having an unpleasant smell as a consequence. Right? You are that cesspool, that stagnant place, because your well has been, it's been shut up. But God is really good at redigging these wells, and that's what he's doing this year. This year. He's going in, and he's saying, there is a well there that's already been dug. Now I'm going to take, and I'm going I'm to get some of those rocks off of the top, the cor- cor- what is that, what is it called? The gonia, that cornerstone. Good. I love that. See, we're living stones producing living water. We're part earth, right? Part spirit. So our bodies absorb sound. We retain sound and we resonate sound. Okay, I'm going to show you a video in just a minute. Not yet. Almost. Um, what I think is cool, John G. Lake was in Africa and he had this huge ministry. How many of you know who John G. Lake is? Latter Rain Revivalists saw millions come to the Lord, hundreds of thousands of, of miraculous healings. And so he was in Africa, and he had been um, ministering for about 18 hours. Healing, 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 healing. And he was just exhausted. He's in his 50s, you know. And so he leans over, and he touches a boulder 
And he says, I'm exhausted, you heal him. And he goes to bed. So then everybody begins to go over to the boulder. They touch the boulder and they're instantly healed. Why? Because, okay, what was around the throne? What is around the throne? A crystal sea, right? It is a stone. Why? Because stones resonate the voice of God. So they, she speaks to the stone. You speak to the human body that is made up of dust, which that word dust in Genesis actually means stones, made up of this earth spirit, right? When you touch that, those stones have to come under the authority of the word of God in you because why? You have Christ in you. Be healed. What about the handkerchief? Same thing. What did Paul do? That handkerchief went around healing people. Why? Because matter, everything that you see is made up of matter. It is made up of the earth and it has a presence. Freaky, I know, but it's true. Now, why do I tell you this? Because we have to let that sound come out of us. And we cannot allow deception or a crooked place. The word crooked place in the Bible means believing a lie. We cannot allow the deception and the lies to come out of our mouth anymore. But we have to line ourselves up with the plummet stone, with the truth of God that he gave to you. And as you begin to release that, then you're actually beginning to co-create with him. And that is the sound that you're releasing when you all come in here to worship. And we say to you, you have something that I need. I need the sound that is in you. If you are not functioning fully as a living stream of water and you're a stagnant pool, then you are actually, the Christ in you cannot help the Christ in me. And I can't run the way I'm supposed to run with you. You see, a stagnant love turns to pride. Stagnant dreams turns to hopelessness, depression, and discouragement. All nature will respond to the sound coming out of your mouth. The transformation videos by George Otis, they recorded areas in the earth that when they begin to hear the sound of praise and prayer and repentance, those are the three things that all of these transformation areas have in common. The the sound begins to awaken nature. Animals that had left the region because there was such a demonic stronghold begin to return vegetation begins to multiply and vegetables are this big. Streams that were completely polluted and uninhabitable to live around become clear. Like this. Why? Because all creation is groaning for the sound of the sons of God to release the truth of heaven of who they are in the earth and the earth will then respond to your voice. All right, let's play the video. What this is, there's a guy named Dr. Masuru. Don't, don't click on it yet. J. 
Japanese researcher was studying effects of, of external stimuli on a structural formation of ice crystals. He accidentally discovered that these water crystals would respond to positive or negative thoughts or words. And this is what he said in his words. The result that we always observed beautiful crystals after giving good words, playing good music, and showing pictures. He would place pictures before these crystals and they would take a form of good or evil. Depending on the pictures. Guys, I'm telling you, prophetic art, God is awakening prophetic art to release a sound. On the other hand, we observe disfigured uh, crystals in the opposite situation. So let's go ahead and, and, and wait, wait. I want you to look at this for a minute. Um, the root word of criticize is to strangle. And what we speak over our children, we need to be very careful about the words that we say to them and the words that we say to other people and about other people. Because when you constructively criticize someone, you're constructively strangling them. How about you go to heaven, you get the prophetic word, you begin to release that over them, and they actually begin to respond and to grow into the words that are being spoken over them. Any fool can tear down, but it takes real wisdom to build a house. Proverbs says that it's wisdom that builds, and you guys are builders, there's a, there's a generation crying out for the sons to finally begin to step into their authority and speak the words of God. So let's go ahead and play this. All right, so they speak these words over these ice crystals and they take these formations. Thank you. You fool. It actually discolored and, and turned into what looked like vomit. Love and thanks. You make me sick, I hate you. They played music. Next. Oh, this is why I don't let my children listen to this. <laughs> Next. 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 Okay, let's stay on that one. You see, when we speak the truth, our bodies are made up of 70% water. Our brains are actually made up of 90%. I want to show you this picture. Everything is birthed right here in our heart. And then it goes in our brain 
our medulla oblongata. Whatever, you're impressed. <laughs> Not a good mouth. Comes out our mouth, right? Now what happens with the sons of God is that the Lord doesn't want us to be complete morons. You know, he doesn't want us to walk around like our head fell off our shoulders. But our, we're supposed to be led, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, okay? So what happens, we'll call this boca. That's Spanish. <laughs> yep, hitting on all cylinders tonight. <laughs> so here's what happens. If this is sick, it feeds this, and you've got a battleground going on. We're to bind our minds to the mind of Christ, because whatever goes through this filter will come out of this mouth. And this is going to be good or it's going to be evil. But if you can train your mouth and give permission to everybody around you to help you, because you're going to need help with this. You know, we're all very sarcastic, by the way. Demons don't know sarcasm. They don't. A, a, A lie or a demonic word or a curse, whether it's funny or not, they still take it where it's supposed to go, which is the person you just cursed. Okay, so here's what you do. You train your mouth, and it will actually begin to transform your mind, and your heart will begin to change. Okay, so let's take an example. Let's say somebody really close to you has offended you or hurt you. And the words that you speak, you want to go in and you want to state all of the facts. What did the kids do in, in, when they were about to go into the promised land? Giants. Well, there's giants over there. Well, there were giants over there, right? Well, Bob said some really mean things to me and it hurt my heart and he's betrayed me in a horrible way. Well, we have to be very careful when we're stating the facts, because we need to take it to the Lord and see what he has to say and let him deal with our heart so that we guard our words. And and I've been really having to repent a lot these days because it'll come out of my mouth and I'll be like, oh. And so as we're beginning to walk this out, you've got to give yourself a little grace because it's going to take a little time because you're not going to do it perfectly. But as you begin to train your mouth, then actually your mind starts to change about that person. And then your heart begins to change towards them. And you begin to say all of the things that God says about them. And all of the sudden, you're blessing instead of cursing. And your relationship with them has completely changed. It's been completely transformed. And everything they were struggling with, all of the demonic stuff they're struggling with it is broken because love has, has broken in. Does that make sense? And so this is really a model for us. If we can start training our mouths, if we can bridle our tongues, then we'll see that our minds will begin to be transformed by what? By the word of God. So we begin to speak the word of God, not just the destiny and the calling, the rhema word, but speak the the other word. Guys, I'm telling you, I've done this and it works. It works. 
because I don't want to get to heaven and I don't want, I don't want to be without all of those people that, that functioned in a way that was dishonorable towards me or that was betraying me. I don't want to do that because we're going to spend heaven with them. We're going to eternity with these brothers and sisters in Christ. And let's say the demon gets a hold of their head or whatever, but you have the power to change that. You have the power to save them. And it's not just about helping one another, because, but, but it is about helping one another because, okay, rewind. Because if I don't have you, then I can't get to where I'm going. If I don't have you, I can't experience the love of Christ. I can't experience the second commandment. And life is going to be really lonely if I continue to get offended at everybody who's mean, right? (laughs) All right, how are y'all doing? All right, so let's uh, go ahead. Kat, come on up. So Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. See whatever, yeah. So I mean, he was the image of the Father on the earth, right? What are we? The image. We're supposed to be on the image, made in the image of God, and so we're a reflection, like looking in a mirror. So when God is saying, "Bless," our mouths should go, "Bless." When God is saying, uh, Release this prophetic word over Dallas. Dallas is going to be a revival center for the whole nations. And you see his mouth move. You go, Dallas is going to be a revival center for the whole nations. Why? Because it's like looking in a mirror. It just doesn't. That's why he's like, hey, this isn't for the intellectuals. They won't get this. It's so easy. It's so easy to be a son. It's so easy to function in the governmental authority that God gave us, right? All we have to do is get in the cornerstone, right? All right. Guard your heart with all your strength, for out of it the issues of life flow. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. God hates lying. Proverbs 6, God hates seven things. Two of them are lying. Why? Because it keeps you from being a son. Every time that you believe a lie and you speak a lie, you actually thwart the destiny and the calling on your life. You just hit the pause button and sometimes the reverse button. Now, I'm going to give you an example of how this works because I've been doing this. John and I, like I told you the last time, John and I took this very seriously. So we got a whiteboard as a couple. Couples, pay attention. Okay? Singles, pay attention. Get a whiteboard. And I want you to begin to write down all of the prophetic words. Pull them out. Dust them off. Because this is your year. And I want you to write them down. Line upon line upon line upon line upon line. And I want you to begin to thank the Lord for all of these promises. And I want you to do it every day. And I want you to do it several times a day. And what you're going to begin to see is you're going to begin to see hope rise in your heart. 
that you believe those promises once again. And then what you're going to begin to see is God is co-creating with you and all of those promises are beginning to line up right before you. Now I'm going to give you an example that's not like big, but it's important to me. So I live in Texas and Texas women have big hair. Amen. Allah. And my hair started falling out. Whatever. This is a great example. My hair started falling out, right? Well, I was very distressed about this, like big clumps of hair. And I'm going, oh my God, I need my hair. So I know that God does not want me to be bald. (laughs) Because the anointing is in the hair, right, ladies? The bigger the hair, the bigger the anointing. That's right. So I began, I began to thank the Lord for my healthy and thick hair. I did. And guess what? I stopped losing my hair. Now, my, none of my hair falls out. You know how like, naturally you'll, you'll like lose some of your hair? I have no hair falling out. I'm telling you, those hairs are grabbed onto those follicles and they're not going anywhere. <laughs> important to you but anyway and that's a very small thing that's a very small thing you know but I mean whatever it is that whatever you have in your heart just go for it you know make sure you heard it from the Lord and make sure you ask him is it okay if I do this because if not you're in witchcraft you don't want to do that you don't be all new agey right so let's pray here's what I want to do A lot of you are carrying these dreams and you've given up on them. You know, you're like, well, I've been waiting for a really long time and I haven't seen anything happen. And my dream is impossible, which means it's it's God. He's in that business. He likes showing off. I don't know. So I want you to come up here and we want to pray for you. I want to lay hands on you and I want to release you into that dream. And if you have been cursing yourself or if you've been believing a lie and then releasing that lie, I want you to repent. You know, it's cool. Just do it while we're worshiping. (laughs) But just let it go. And then begin to get your list. And every day begin to speak that out over your life. And then I will guarantee you, within 30 days, you're going to begin to see things shift and and change. The power of your words and the double portion of grace that God is putting putting on them this year is going to open every door that's been shut to you. Amen? So let me pray for you. Well, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, that the sons are arising and they have hope that the whole nations will be looking for and they'll come they'll come the nations will come to the rising of the light that is shining forth from you 
Father, I pray that you would release us from the prison of the lies and the deceptions that we have believed. And you would lock us in to the words that you have spoken over us since time began. Release the declarations in your people that we will declare who you say we are, that you will, we will begin to declare the promises. As you speak it out, so it will be. As you speak it out, so it will be. As you speak it out, so it will be. Father, I bless him in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in your words. I bless you in your words and I bless your mouths. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up.